Good morning, everyone. And I would just like to welcome us to another occasion with the Holy Spirit. The Lord is here. It's quite amazing uh, that we are not just a few weeks to the end of the year. Uh, there are many who started this year with us who are no longer with us now. But we want to thank God that the Lord has kept you and I. Not only that, in the same place which was declared the state of disaster and the state of emergency. And for the past 22 days now, there's been zero infection of COVID-19 and zero death. Isn't God good? Isn't God awesome? Especially in the month that's been declared the month of turnaround. <laughs> the month of turnaround. Today is the 22nd day of the month of November and also we've declared 22 days of no infection and uh, no death. God indeed is faithful. I'm excited uh, concerning the word of the Lord. I'm excited at what the Lord is doing. I'm excited at what the future holds. I'm excited at the things that that is just ahead of us that we're about to enter into. I know COVID-19 came a lot of things happen, but you are still here because God has not finished with you. Amen. And there are so many chapters you need to write in the book that you started on the day you were born. Amen. Praise God. God is not an accident of creation. He didn't make a mistake when he created you. He had a plan in mind and you fulfilled that plan in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful day. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings forth light and understanding to the simple. As we go into your word this morning, let there be light. Let there be understanding. Let there be revelation. That will bring revolution. Let there be insight. That will cause transformation. All we are asking is, Lord, we do not want to remain the same. Lord, we are asking for a fresh encounter with the Spirit of the living God. Opening our eyes to see. Opening our ears to hear. Opening our hearts to know what the Spirit of God is doing. Father, we give you all the praise. We worship and we adore you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. This morning, I'll be rounding up uh, a teaching I started a few weeks back. Uh, when we started looking at, uh, at the outworking of grace in the life of a believer. And then we went on to impartation of apostolic grace. And today we'll be looking at impartation of apostolic grace, the construction side. So I'll be taking you to the construction side. And that will help us to see some things and remind us of things we've learned in the past we've probably forgotten and then help to position us for what God wants to do in the days to come. I want us to open our Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter number 2 from verse number 19. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse number 19. Now therefore, I've thought you that anytime you find the word therefore, stop and ask what is it therefore. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, 
and members of the household of God or household of faith, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Isn't it interesting that in those four verses, actually five times you find the word built, building, foundation being mentioned. In five, four verses, you find in verse 19, it says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You find the word household there. And then in verse 20, having been built. And then you find the word foundation. And then in verse 22, it also talks about being built. And then in 20, and 20, 21, 22, talks about what? Being built. Talking about construction. Talking about building. But wait a minute. So now therefore you are no longer strangers. Strangers. And foreigners. Strangers to what? <laughs> Strangers to words. Let's go to verse number 12 and 13. Strangers to what? Now therefore you are no longer strangers. Verse number 12 of Ephesians chapter number 2. It reads, and I quote. It says, for you are no longer what? What at that time that you are without what? Christ. Being alien from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenant of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. Let's look at verse 11. He said, look at it. He said, therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh. The word Gentile does not mean non-Jew. The word Gentile simply means without God. That remember that you once, you were once what? Gentile in the flesh. Who are called on circumcision. By what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands. At that time. You are without Christ. You are alien from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Then in verse number 19 says, now you are no longer strangers. You are no longer what? Stranger to the covenant of promise. You are no longer an alien to the commonwealth of Israel. The promise that God put together, packed together for his own children. Say so you are no longer strangers. That means you cannot be a partaker. Hallelujah. And you are not foreigners. You know one thing that strangers and foreigners are not entitled to? They are not entitled to passports. Because you can't have passport if you're a foreigner of a particular country. You can't have the passport if you are a stranger in that particular place. And your passport, what, will qualify you for a lot of things there. And if they want to prove your identity, they say bring your passports. Let's see what your passport, what, let's see what is on your passport. I know that some of us have there the Aussie passport, but born in what? Egyptian and, and the rest of me like that. But it's still okay, hallelujah, as long as the passport is carrying, is, 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 is showing us where the citizenship is actually from, you know. But here, you know what your passport is? Revelation is your passport to paradise. See, you are no longer a stranger to receiving revelation, to receiving insight, to receiving, Lord, the spirit of revelation and wisdom 
that will cause transformation in your lives. We said about fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, in whom the whole building is what? Or having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief called cornerstone, meaning receiving the impartation of the apostolic, receiving the impartation of the prophetic, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building is being fitted together, hallelujah, or oh, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. That's why I call this message the construction site. But those are not just my words. Let me take you to the TPT version. And I'll read from verse 19 for you. Uh, TPT version, Ephesians 2 from verse 19. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones. Did you say that? You are not what? Foreigners. You are not what? Guests. But rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. I love that. Family members sit at the table. Family member don't stand at the door. Family member has what? The key to the house. Key means authority. So, so you are not foreigners, but we are family members of the household of God. Verse 20. You are rising. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise God. He said you are rising like a perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation. Not a false foundation. Hallelujah. For there is no foundation anyone can lay except that which is laid in Christ Jesus. Is that your, your life is being built together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets and the best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building. The anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. Verse number 21. This entire building. Can I hear you say this entire building? Is under construction. <laughs> and is continually growing under his supervision. Until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. Then number no, verse number 22. This means that God is what? Transforming each one of you. Oh, 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 oh. oh somebody is looking at me. God has not finished with me. There's a transformation taking place. Hallelujah. God has not finished with you. Oh, the complete picture is yet to emerge. Amen. Praise God. He said God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. You know what is the holies of holies? Presence. His dwelling place for the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. But look at that verse 21. Look at that verse 21. What it says? It said the entire building is under construction. That's why I call this message the construction site. It's under construction. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I woke up early in the morning, early hours of the morning yesterday, and he said the apostolic is about recovering or taking back lost ground. He said the apostolic is about taking back ground that have been lost. He said many times when we come into this world, because of our contact with the corruption that is on the earth, you know what starts to take place? You know, you know, deformation will start to take place. You know what happens when corruption sets in into a place? It starts to become what? Corroded. Then suddenly things are being chipped off that shouldn't be there. Soon are being added that ought not to be added. 
And you know, at the end of the day, I can tell you there's no human being living on earth who is exactly the exact representation of the original intent of the Father. Because of contact with this corrupted earth, a lot of times things have taken place, you know, some sicknesses, some diseases, sometimes some attacks. A lot of things have happened that has turned many into a caricature of the original picture of heaven. And then you now say, but I'm taking you back to the construction ground. <laughs> construction ground. So that I will start to do what? In fact, we can call this reconstruction. So that there's a rebuilding. So that there's a reworking. So that there's a reconstruction. So that there's a what? A realignment, a readjustment of everything that Satan has caused world has deformed. Suddenly he's now rebuilding it. Putting it back. Hallelujah. He said, this is not the way you are, this ought to be. Something that happened here because of contact with this corrosion. And it's now reshaping it. And it's now rebuilding it. And it's now turning it. Because of contact with this. Because of contact with this corruption. It's now Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. Who is the director of the operation of God on the earth. Is now reworking each one of us, rebuilding it, retaining it, reworking it, so that we can eventually start to align with what God has ordained. And you know where it starts from? Number one, start to retake lost ground and then start to work, build us up into what God has planned for us. I'm telling you, don't die until you have recovered all. <laughs> I said, don't die until you have what? Recovered all. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 1. Ephesians 3, verse number 1. What does it say? It now says what? <laughs> Ephesians 3, from verse number 1. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want us to open our Bible to Ephesians 3, from verse number 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, for this reason, for which reason? The construction. Because the Bible was never written in chapters and verses. It was put in chapters and verses for the convenience of the interpreters or the translators. So chapter 3, verse 1, is actually a continuum of Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 22. If indeed you have heard of the... Okay. For this reason, which reason? The construction, verse number one. So if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me well, for you. To do what? To cause the reconstruction, the rebuilding. The word dispensation is what? Is stewardship. Is distribution. Is that which has been entrusted into Paul for the sake of bringing the entire efficient church into alignment with divine purpose. So this grace is not just, oh yes, uh, okay, oh, you know, and we quote it. You know, grace is free gift. Grace is unmerited. Absolutely, you're right. But there's far, far, far more to grace, especially the apostolic dimension of grace. Said so this grace has been given to me for you to cause that reconstruction to take place, to remold, to rebuild, to re-engineer, to, to bring you back to the original intent. Oh, if you're into construction, I'm sure you can easily follow me. Even if you're not into construction, the Holy Spirit will grant you understanding. Because right now, there's a rebuilding taking place in the Spirit. If 
indeed you have heard of a dispensing of grace, which was given to me for you. Well, how did we get to this place? How did we get to this place? Do you remember? At the beginning of this year, the Lord spoke to us and said, 2020 will be our year of what? Number one. Ah, no. That's, no. What did God say to us? Because I had, just in the background, somebody said the year of abounding grace. No. He said first and foremost is the year of what? Restoration. And I remember that time. Many of us said, yay! Restoration. But do you know that you don't encounter or you don't what come into restoration unless you have lost something. God was preparing us for the nature of this year. That this year will be a year of restoration. That means that, oh yes, in the course of the year, that whatever will happen, maybe, maybe like what eventually took place in the course of the year, COVID-19 came, Maybe some lost their jobs. Maybe the issue of health. Or whatever it is that you've been impacted negatively with. Maybe your health. Maybe your finances. Maybe your jobs. Whatever it is, God says, I will restore. I will restore. Oh, my, my, my. I will restore. There's no restoration without, first of all, something having taken away from you. There's no restoration without you having lost something. So God was preparing us because he declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the thing which are not yet done. Say my counsel will stand. And, and my what? And I will do all my pleasure. He declared that to us. That 2020 will be a year of restoration. And I want to remind you of the word of the Lord. He said, I will restore to you the years the locust has eaten. The caterpillar, the cankerworm, the palmerworm. My great army which have been sent amongst you, and my people will eat in plenty, and they will not be ashamed. They will not be ashamed. God does not just give you back what you've lost when he restores. He gives you more, much more. And he says, I will take away shame from you. Oh, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Is there any area where you have lost something? Is there any place in your life where there's been shame. But listen to that. Because restoration will not just bring back or give back what was lost. But will also take away shame. Is there any place where you have suffered a loss? Remember the worst it stands. It's called the word of restoration. Given to you by the God of restoration. You will restore the years the locust has eaten. The caterpillar. The cankerworm. The palmerworm. He said, my great army which have been sent among you. And my people will eat in plenty and they will be satisfied. And they will never be worried. They will never be ashamed. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like just saying, wow, Lord, jumping up and say, Lord. Because look at that. He said, I will never be ashamed. Many shame has been taken away from my life completely. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. That's why I don't tell people shame on you. And I don't say it to me, shame also. Because Jesus took away the shame. What do I want to bring back to my life? What Jesus took away? Amen. Don't let anybody say shame on you. Don't let anybody say shame. Don't say it upon yourself too. Don't bring back. Don't sign for a packet that, that is not yours. That God has not given to you. Amen. 
And then he said the year of world, the year of harvest, and then the year of world abounding grace because you will need grace to lay hold on restoration. You need grace to lay hold on harvest. And I remember I defined for you, I gave you five definitions of grace. Maybe I need to ask some of us, what exactly, which one can you remember? That's why I miss church. Because I can go now and ask people, give me the definition of grace. What did I say about grace? Now I'm standing here, looking at the camera. It's difficult to ask the camera to define grace. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I gave you five definitions of grace. Number one, what did we say about grace? Free word. Free, grace is free gift. Amen. Number two, grace is unmerited favor. Number three, grace is undeserved blessing. Number four, grace is what? Grace is, I also define the acronym popularly, you know, that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. But beyond all of that, I gave you one that I love so much. That is, grace is the nature and character of God which had been from the beginning, which became fully manifested in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the true revealer and the world, the true revealer of the Father, the exact representation of the Father. Grace is the nature and character of God. Grace is free gift. Oh, somebody say, I want to real. No, grace will take labor out of your life. Hello, if you need to labor for everything, then what's the difference between you and the unbeliever? Who, who, what? People who don't know God. Grace gives you favor and takes away labor. It's not that we will not work, but if you have to sweat before you can feed, sweat before you can lay hold, then you are still operating under the cause. Grace will enable you to lay hold on things, taking the cause out of it. Five definitions of grace. It's called God's riches at Christ's expense. It's called things coming to you sometimes without laboring for it. It's called God making things available because of his blessing that is at work in your life. It's called God working for you, working with you, so that you do not become a partaker of the perversity of your generation. The Bible says God was to destroy the entire earth, but Noah found grace before God. Grace separated Noah from the park. Grace gave him the ability to enter into his opportunity. Grace distinguished him. Grace separated him. That's what grace does. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Grace, the grace of God. And I gave you five dimensions of grace. Number one, I spoke about grace. Number two, I spoke about more grace. And then abounding or exceeding grace. And I spoke about what? Great grace. Especially that these graces are released to people to carry out special assignments with great grace. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus because what? Great grace was upon them all with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection because great grace was upon them all. We spoke about great grace. 
Grace Day can be imparted to you. You can lay hold on great grace. And then we spoke about all grace. Five dimensions of grace. But now we are looking at the apostolic grace. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. The apostolic grace. Which will enable you to take back. Amen. To rebuild. To lay hold on the thing that the enemy has stolen from you. So that your life through the reconstruction of the work of grace can start to become aligned to God's original plan and purpose for your life. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And that is why I want to continue to look at that today. And I'll be taking us to verse number 17 of what? The benefits of impartation of apostolic grace. As we look at the construction taking place. Ephesians 3 from verse number 17. said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith. So that you be rooted and grounded in love. Christ will dwell in your heart through faith. So how does Christ dwell in your heart through faith? Or how can Christ dwell in your heart through faith? How does he do that? Will he come from heaven and enter into that? And will God take a seat? Is that how will he dwell in your heart through faith? How will Christ dwell in your heart? To, let me give you a second to think about it. How will Christ, how does he do that? Because Paul in his prayer was praying for the choice. He said that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. How does Christ do that? You know how he does that? He does that through his word. Through the word. Not just the hearing of the word. But when the word starts to become flesh in you. When you and the word is becoming one. You know, many of us, the word we hear in the morning during the service, by the end of the service, a lot of it has what? Flown out and is being replaced by so many other things. A lot of things. And one of the ways to ensure that this word remains is that after you have heard, keep talking about it. You know, we don't talk about it. We talk about rather, we talk about the chicken. We talk about the, 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 the food. We talk about this one. Keep talking about it. Because your word is one of the grand entrance to the word into your heart. When you keep talking about it, I said, look at what I learned. That is why sometimes when we pray, I start to ask people, what did you learn? So that we can keep on the conversation. It's not because it's just to, oh yeah, let's talk about it or to show forth knowledge. No, it's to ensure that the word you had is eventually what there's a transportation or there's a transplanting or a surgical event taking place there or a surgical process applied that the word is taken from your head and planted firmly in your heart. The moment is entered into your heart, there's no force on our powerful enough to uproot it or cause that word of to fail to come to pass in your life. The challenge is that it remains in our head. And before you know what is happening, it's actually gone out of the head. Without the process being completed, God's word is never intended that it will come into your head, it will remain there, and there will not be word. There will not be a transportation of that word or an impartation of that word into your heart. Because it, the power is in your heart, not in your head. And it is when it gets there that you start, you can what? Start to become one with the word. Let's go to John chapter 1 
from verse number 14. I, I, I almost said from verse number 1. That says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was there in the beginning with God. There was nothing that was made that was made without Him. In Him, in the Word, was life. And that light was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. <laughs> and darkness cannot comprehend it. But let's go to verse number 14. So, and the word became flesh. The word became what? Flesh. And dwelled amongst us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of what? Full of what? What are we talking about? Grace. Impartation of grace. Full of grace. Because when the word becomes flesh, then what you can see is that you are carrying the full grace regarding that word. Full of grace and truth. Verse number 15. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse number 6. And of his fullness, we have all received what again? Remember 14 says, full of what? Grace and what? Truth. In that sense, of his fullness, we have all received what? And grace for grace. It's called grace, and then more grace, and then abounding grace, and then greater grace, and what, what? We can receive more grace, and more grace, and more grace, and more grace. Anywhere you have been struggling, maybe it's in your area of prayers, maybe it's in the area of finances, maybe it's whatever area you've been struggling, is an area you need more grace. Because more grace will change the equation. They're full of grace and word and truth. And when the word, when the, the Bible says, and the word became flesh, the moment the word starts to become flesh, you know what is happening there? You know, character is being formed. The character of the word is being formed inside of you. Amen. The character of Christ is being formed inside of you. The moment the word becomes flesh character is what being formed amen praise god hallelujah character has been formed this is one of the major areas of challenge for many in the church character and the reason is because the word of god is not being formed they're not becoming one with the world the moment you are becoming one with the world character is being formed inside of you and you know what that character does? That character will defend you against corruption. Because here in the world is full of corruption. You know, all around us, the, the entire earth has been corrupted. So now, how do you survive it as a child of God? Character is the character of Christ inside of you that will defend you against the corruption in the world. So when the character is not being formed, then you become a partaker of the corruption or a partaker of the perversity of that generation. And God wants to separate us from that perversity. And what do we need to do? The impartation of this grace will start to cause us to become one with the word. Remember construction site? One with the word. 
and we are being filled with grace and character is being formed in us. The character of Christ is being formed in us and that character will start to defend us against the corruption that is all around us. Instead of us becoming a partaker of the corruption, the character will separate us from the park. Amen. This is so vital. Is so important. And I'll take it further. I'll explain it further for you. Now let's go. Let's continue to read. Verse number eight, uh, number 18. Verse number 18. Ephesians 3. Verse number 18. What does it say? You know. Ephesians 3. Verse number 18. So that you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width? What is the length? What is the depth? What is the height? And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Let me tell you, love has dimensions. Love is the nature of God, is the very nature of God, but love has what? The Bible talks about the length, the breadth, the height, the depth. Remember, I told you, I taught you that the password is praise. Remember? If Psalm 100. Praise is the password. Many praise will cause you to enter into the door. Praise will open the door for you. That's why we sing, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart or in my mouth. I will enter his court with what? Praise. So praise will cause you to enter into the gates. Praise will cause you to enter into the courts. But that's where most of us stay. <laughs> Just entering into the courts. Oh, entering into the court. There's still something else that you need to do. You now need to go from the court to the table. To go from the court to the table. Or go from the gate to the table. To go from where the presence is. Because it's on the table that the things that you desire are laid out. So when you stay at the gate, you are looking at the table. You are not a partaker yet. Amen. Praise will open the door. But you need to go to the table and sit with him. Fully seated with him at the right hand of the Father. At the right hand of Christ. And what will take you there is called what? Love. The very nature of God. And this character is expressed through love. The character of Christ is expressed through love. Praise will open the gates, but love will take you to the table. Love will take you to the table. Love will cause you to sit at the table. Now you are sitting at the table. You're going to say, wow, that's good. Oh, what's that? Oh, healing is there. I need healing. And then you are taking the healing. Oh, I need finances. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Healing is the children's bread. But it's on the table. And you are taking the... You, oh, I need this one. You are taking it. And you need that one. And you are taking it. It is the love of God that will make you to sit at the table. Because you can't sit with him at the table if you are not carrying his nature and his word character. Love is the nature of God. The word of God will start to form the character of Christ in you. And that character is expressed through love. Amen. Praise God. And the Bible says the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ. Oh, let's go there. Second Corinthians chapter 5 from verse number 14. Second Corinthians 5 verse 14. 
from verse 14. What does it say? For the love of Christ, what does it do? It compels us. Or the love of Christ constrains us. That lo your love for God will cause you not to do some things. Because of your love for him, you want to also do some things. That love, if you truly love God, it will compel you. Hello. He said, because we judge those that if one died for all, then all would die. For the love, for he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Let's continue. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we now, yet now we know him thus no longer. Then let's continue verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in world, is in is what? A new creation. All things are world passed away. Behold, all things have become world. That is the only way you can sit at the table. Because you can't sit at the table with all the all the garbages, all the whatever load you've been carrying. Those things must be removed. Amen. And that, those are the things because of his love for you and your love for him. He doesn't see you in the light of what you did five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Because you have identified with him. The blood has washed you. He now sees you with the eye of Christ. And he now says, see you, brother, see your sister the same way. Don't hold grudges. Don't say, oh, yes. Oh, you, you, do you know what happened five years ago? Do you know what happened this week? And you are holding it. Somebody say, yes, you, you know what they did. Those things are evidences of weakness in your spirit. For some people, it's so difficult to let go. Whatever happened two years, three years, four years, they're holding it as tightly. It, the thing is still as clear to them as if it happened, happened just yesterday or day before yesterday. And you are now singing, God will do something new. God cannot do something new with that. He can do something new. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because of that love, he came and he died for you. And he's now saying, you also love your brethren. Love your brother. Love. Take that love further. Don't hold it against your brother. Don't hold it against your, against your spouse. Don't hold it against, your, against whosoever that you're holding it against. Don't hold it. You want him to love you. You want him to forgive you. But you are not willing to let go. You are not willing to forgive any other person. This, what they did is still as clear to you as if the thing happened yesterday. And you're still able to recall everything. And now you say you can't remember scriptures. How can you remember scriptures? You can't remember scripture because the place is full of things that should not be there. People have asked me, Pastor, how do you remember scriptures like that? It's not difficult. It's very, very simple. Number one, it's by grace. Number two, I don't hold grudges. I don't hold anybody as well, I'm holding it. Do you know what uh, she did? Do you know what he did? I'm holding it. I don't, I don't at all. In fact, God has been so good to me. Something that happened, negative experiences after a while. You know, I just, those things dissipate for me. I don't just hold it. Hold it. Wow. If I remember it at all, it's to express what I've learned from it. Not because of the pain that that thing is still causing me. No, I don't. 
I let go. I let God. That the God who has been keeping me is not able to restore whatever whatever that person has done. Whatever that thing that is God not is it still on an equation? Is still on the throne? Is it still on the throne? If he's still on the throne and I'm his beloved, will he just leave me? Will he forsake me and say, you know what that person did for you? I'm, I'm going to allow you to remain for the next 20 years. No, no, not at all. The love of God, it will deprive you from sitting at the table. You still will be at the door looking. Many people are looking. They are observing what is on the table. Some of us are seated at the table. Oh, some of you are looking, you are looking, what is on the table? You are looking, you are far. And it's not the plan of God that you are away from the table. It's because of the fact that something is keeping you away from the table. Strife will keep you away from the table. Love will take you to the table. To the table, thank God. Praise will open the door. You have entered, you are now standing. But as long as you are standing, you are still not on the table. You are not seated with him. You are not, and therefore you cannot enjoy the benefits of sitting with him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new, what does a new creation mean? Take a brand new baby. I've never seen. I'm yet to see in my entire 50 plus years. Where a brand new baby has been, after the birth of the baby. Somebody now says, you, you baby, you know, 10 years ago you did this. Five years ago. Nobody does that. Everybody carries a brand new baby and we're all dancing. Oh, brand new. Why? Because that baby has not offended anybody. Brand world new. Completely brand new. Everybody is happy. Nobody is going there with bad belly against the baby. Nobody is going there and saying, look at what this baby, <laughs> look at what she said yesterday. Look at what he said. Nobody does that. Because babies don't, <laughs> babies are, don't, we're all happy. And God says, now see yourself as brand new in the kingdom of God. Put aside the old things. Let all things pass away. Eh, behold, all, all, all things have become new. You know what he just said to me now? He said, when I say all things have passed away, it's just like your old clothing. Remember your wardrobe still filled with all the clothing you've been wearing for the past 10 years. We have space for new ones. He said, that's what is happening to many of us. Our wardrobes are loaded with the old clothes. God is trying to bring new ones in. Where do I put it? Everything is congested. It is completely what? Fee with old things. He said, let go. Take out the old clothes. Take out the old living so that I can bring in the new ones. I can replace them with the new thing you've been asking me for. I can bring to you those new things that you desire. I can bring them to you. This old clothes that I'm saying is hindering me from bringing new things to you. Let take them away. And he said to me, he said, I can take it away from you. You are the one that will need to take it away. You are the one that will need to forgive. I can't forgive somebody on your behalf. You are the one that must forgive. You are the one that must let go. You are the one that must put it aside. You are the one that must pack the old clothes and take them and go and what? Poop. Throw them out. So that, but now it is my own, it is my place to now bring the new to you. If you don't do your part, it's difficult for me to do my part. Your part is to take the old clothes. My part is to bring the new ones to you. If you refuse to take the old clothes away, I can't bring the new ones to you. That is what I meant when I Put that in my word. All things must pass away. Behold, all things must what? become new. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. The love of Christ will compel us. And then, you know what, what, what will not happen after that? It says so that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, what is the breadth, what is the height, what is the depth. To know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And then to be filled with the fullness of God. When you are seated at the table, then you can all be filled and be what? And be full and be satisfied with what is at the table. Fullness of God. Amen. Praise God. Look at what grace we do as you follow, as you allow character to be formed. As you allow the expression of character through the love of Christ. Then you know what happens is this. It will take you into fullness. Hello, somebody. It will take you into fullness. You will enter into what? Fullness of God. It may be filled with all fullness of God. Amen. Fullness is when it's bringing into your life. Oh, wow. You say, wow. Look at what God is doing. Look at what God is doing. Uh, you, you know, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so grateful. Look at the answers to prayers. Look at, you just, you just know that the grace of God is a work. And then you see the mercy of God at work. You see God supernaturally helping you. You are filled with all the fullness of God. The fullness of his goodness. The fullness of his kindness. The fullness of his grace. The fullness of his mercy. You know why grace will give you what you don't deserve? Mercy will prevent you from having the thing that you desire. Amen. You need the tool. You need the mercy of God to be at work. Because sometimes, sometimes because of our, what, our neglect, our mistakes, some things that we do. And the consequence of it, God says, no. Oh, touch not my anointed. It belongs to me. It is one of mine. So his mercy prevents you from what? Getting the full consequences of some of your actions. And then his grace will not give you what you don't deserve. <laughs> Hallelujah. And fullness. Oh, praise God. Fullness is a place. You know, how many of us are experiencing fullness? How many of us are experiencing fullness? You know, to be full, you know what it means? How many of us are experiencing? Somebody said it's not possible but to experience fullness. Can I show you? Can I show you from scriptures? The sons of Isaac, Jacob and Esau, said they had enough. These were not even New Testament believers. Esau, in his state that he was, Jacob said, I brought all of this for you. You need to have this. Esau said, no, I have enough. That means I'm full. Jacob also said, oh, Esau said, maybe you should have. He said, no, I have enough. Enough. And meanwhile, the source of light. The source of light. How many of us can say, yes, I have enough. I'm full. That is why God has brought us to the construction site. So that we can start to look. So that there can be what? A decongestion. A reworking. A re-engineering. Reconstruction. Realignment. Readjustment. 
so that we can be positioned in God for this fullness. And I believe that is where he's taking us as a church too. If you hearken to the words you are hearing. Because revelation is your passport to paradise. As you hear this word, you start to apply them in your life. Then you start to walk, become a partaker of the fullness of God. Amen. Maybe some of us can say, yes, I have experienced the fullness of God. And I give God praise for your life for that. But do you know one thing? I can tell you that fullness is not the end point in God. <laughs> oh, I don't, want, I don't want to stay in fullness. I want to thank God. And I've said this for many years. And I thank God again and again for confirming that word in my life. That whatsoever seems to be lacking at a particular point, eventually I will end up having them in abundance. It's called fullness. Do I have everything in abundance now? No. But I know that if I continue, eventually I will have them in abundance. But it's not opening my eyes to see that son, don't settle for fullness. <laughs> don't settle for fullness because I still have more for you. What is the more that has for us? Hello, somebody. What is the more? Is God what? That he will move us beyond the realm of fullness. And it will take us in the realm of what is called what? The exceeding abundance. Let's go there. Oh, verse number 20 of Ephesians chapter number 3. Amen. Don't settle even for, for, yes, you may not even be in fullness, but the word is coming to you now. Now don't settle for fullness. In fact, don't settle for where you are. Hello, somebody. Don't settle for where you are. Maybe you share one or two testimonies. You know, God has been good to us. <laughs> We're good now. Don't settle for where you are. There's still much more. Hello. Much more in him for you. Much more available in God for you. Verse 20. What does it say? Now to him who is able to what? To do. Exceedingly. Abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly. And what? Abundantly. Above all that we can what? Ask or think. But this is now what? The caveat. According to the power. That's why he said in verse 16. That you might be strengthened with might by spirit in your inner man. <laughs> That's why it's important you are strengthened with might. Then you can develop the character of Christ. Because the word of God is dwelling in you. And that character will defend you against corruption. And that character will not be expressed in the love of God. Which will take you to the table. To become a partaker of the things which are available on the table. And you know what will happen? It will bring you into fullness. In other says, not just fullness. What? Exceeding what? Abundance. But let me read it to you. From verse number 20. Number 20, the TPT version. Ephesians 3, 20, the Passion Translation. I'll read. Reads and I quote. Never doubt. Ho, 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 ho. 
He said, never doubt. Because when we're talking about this, it's easy for people to say, are you sure this can come to pass? I mean, even where I am now, if I can just have a little bit more, if I can just have a little bit, God is not just interested in you having a little bit more. You know, the reason why you think like that is because you're just thinking about yourself. If you're thinking about just having a little bit more, how do you become a blessing to many other people? How do you become a blessing to your city? How do you become a blessing to your family? How do you become a blessing to people around you if all you have is just a little bit? Never doubt God's mighty power to walk in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve what? Infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. It will exceed your wildest imagination. It will outdo them all for its miraculous power. Constantly what? Constantly what? Constantly energizing you. You know, sometimes you may see me that uh, you, you sit down quietly, maybe you walk, but I'm a man full of energy. I do not lack energy at all. Praise God. I ran through some things and one, 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 someone close to me said, hey, you can do that? At your age, of course I can do it. Amen. I'm full of energy. And it's not just physical energy. Someone is energizing me. Energizing me. Somebody say, Pastor, can you run? Let's get on the tracks together. And you'll be so surprised. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said, He's energizing you. Energizing you. At, you know, it should not be at little age, you're already so tired. He said, No, you need something to someone to energize you. Oh, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. At 15, at 13, what do you want to go and do? Oh, I want to go and sleep. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. What have you been doing? Tired? It's because nothing is energizing you. Amen. Praise God. At 20, always tired. Amen. It's just somebody said, but because of no, no, no. It's because you need more energy that will come from your inside that will energize you so that you are full of energy. Said, never doubt God's mighty power to walk in you and accomplish all this. You will achieve infinitely more. Do you remember where well, imagine infinitely what? <laughs> That's where the word came from. It, God is taking us from fullness to the place what? Infinitely better. That's why at the end of this day, by the time they cross all the T's and dot the I, they say this coronavirus, whatever it is. We imagine infinitely better than when we when the entire thing started. And it says here, never doubt it. Because God's mighty power that is at work in us is able to accomplish all of these. Meaning that from fullness is taken to the realm of what? Infinitely better, exceeding abundance. But where does it all where does it all start from. How, where, where, where is the inception of all of this? Number one, 
as you make yourself available at the construction site. A construction site. And then the word of God, as the spirit of God is working on you. And then as you are listening, then revelation is coming. Mystery is being unfolded. Suddenly you are saying, I told you that mystery is not being mysterious. Of the word mystery is not the word mysterious. Suddenly light is coming. Insight is coming, and then you are demonstrating the principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God. You are walking in obedience. What people are saying it cannot be done. You are saying, Lord, grant me the grace to do it. And it's granting you the grace to do it. And it's making a difference in your life. And then you are receiving strength in your inner man. Oh, and when things happen that will cause most people to fall down and crash, suddenly instead of you falling down and crashing, you are just rising up and getting stronger. Why? Because if you faint in the days of adversity, it's because your strength is small. But because of this strength that is coming in you and coming to you and working with you and, and strength, you are able to withstand. Because with enough strength, with enough grace, you can overcome every situation. You can overcome any adversity, whether health-wise, medical, financial, you can overcome it. In fact, you can turn adversity into advantage with enough grace. And then suddenly, oh, you are becoming one with the world. The character of the world is being formed in you. This character is now defending you against corruption. And this character is being expressed through the love of God. And instead of you opening the gate and just standing by the gate looking and observing, you are now what? Being taken to the table and seated with him in heavenly places. Oh, becoming a partaker of the benefits of the, of the presence of God in your life. And then you are not expressing his fullness. He now says, son, I've not finished with you. I'm taking you to the realm of exceeding abundance. I'm trusting God. I will not leave planet Earth until I've accomplished exceedingly, abundantly, above what I could, what? According to the power at work within that will fulfill everything that he has ordained for me. Whatever Satan has stolen, he's just wasting his time. Whatever delay he has put in place, he's just wasting his time. Because what God concluded and finished before time cannot be frustrated in time. Oh yes, delay is not denier. He might just say, yes, I've delayed. Oh yeah, eventually the hand of God is coming upon me and I'm outrunning every Ahab to the gates of Jezreel because I will recover all. I will accomplish all in the name of Jesus. And I'm asking you to join me. Let's go for it. Let's run with it. Let's accomplish all. Let's become everything that God wants us to become in Jesus' name. And I'm not going to settle for fullness because I'm going to go on to exceeding abundance. That people will see my life and they will say, wow, come and see what the Lord has done. Indeed, his God is good. Indeed, his God is faithful. And I will not say, oh, you know, I'm a first self-made man. You will never hear that from me. I'll be able to tell them, this is what the Lord has done. Come and see what the Lord has done. That will be the testimony that this abundance you are seeing, this exceeding abundance you are seeing, it never looked like it at a stage he was looking contrary, contrary to it, but I kept the faith. I fought a good fight, and I continue running my race. And I've entered into the realm of exceeding abundance. That that is God's word for me. That is God's word for you. If all of us will join together and take a run for him. Are you ready? I said, let's go for it. Rise up on your feet. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, 
God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love. He learned forgive. He lived and died. To buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to show my Savior lives. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds my future. My life is worth a living just because. God sent his son. God sent his son. <laughs> they called him Jesus. He came to love. He'll unforgive. He lived and died. To buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to show my Savior lives because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know holds my future my life is worth a living just because he lived father we humble ourselves before the throne you said we should come with boldness to the throne of grace not throne of judgment but throne of grace to receive mercy to find grace to help Lord, I'm asking for your mercy over each one, over each person. Have mercy, Lord. For thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to release grace into his life. That time has actually come. Therefore, Lord, we've come to receive mercy and to find this grace to help. Lord, I'm asking right now for everyone. Whose hands are lifted, lift up your two hands. I pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, for the release of this dimension of grace. The release of greater grace. The release of all grace into your life. That is that will empower you. That will equip you. That will enable you to do anything that is looking difficult. Every area where you've been struggling. Every area that seems to be like a mountain of Gibraltar in your life. Regarding your family. Father, I'm asking for the release of grace. Father, I'm asking for the release of grace. We have come to the throne of grace. To receive mercy. And to find grace. The grace that will help us. The grace that will distinguish us. 
in this month of turnaround, in this season of turnaround, Father, we find grace right now. We receive grace, this apostolic impartation of grace, the grace that will distinguish, the grace that will help, the grace that will enable, the grace that will equip. Lord, I release. Father, I ask that for the release of this grace into the lives of everyone, under the sound of my voice, everyone whose hands are lifted, everyone who is before you, everyone who is asking for this grace, Father, let there be a release of grace into their lives right now. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. The grace of God is released upon you, and it will start to cause His face to shine upon you. You are going to notice a noticeable difference in your life. You see that what a minute there's something happening to you that you may not be able to effectively explain. Because, but you remember, grace has been released. Because areas of struggle is being limited and being eliminated in your life. In the name of Jesus, and even for us, every one of us as a church, and everyone who is a partaker of this world, this grace is released in Jesus' name. It will separate you from the perversity of your generation. This grace will give you the ability to enter into your opportunities in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We worship and we adore you. We give you praise forevermore. In Jesus' name we have prayed. And the people said, Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen.